Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast number 51. On this episode, I have Matt Hassel from Weight Inc. Today we're going to discuss uh, some auction values that, that, that Matt's been seeing down in oh, southern Missouri, Arkansas, um, Mississippi. Talk about the cold weather and see what that's done to, the, to uh, damage any possible planning scenarios that might come up. And also talk about planners and what he sees happening there. So Matt, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Chase. I'm really looking forward to coming on here with you. All right, man. I appreciate that. So, Matt, let's just get started here. So, there's been a few auctions down there. Um, you know, of course, you had your end-of-the-year stuff, and then you've had a couple rather decent-sized ones here the first part of January. So, why don't you give me a little update on what you've seen happen in the auction market in the uh, in the South? Well, as you said, Chase, we've had quite a few auctions. Uh, a lot of them, you know, have been in the Missouri, Arkansas, went to one yesterday in Mississippi. Um, the auction market down here is doing really well. Um, they're selling a lot of equipment. I think they're getting pretty good values for them. Um, of course, you know, being a John Deere dealer, it, it, you always want to see more and more and more. But, you know, with the, what, what we've come from over the last few years, I think the auction, auction market is really picking up down here, and it, it's, it's doing really good. Um, you know, as as far as tractors, your 30 series, some of your 20 series, some of your pre-death tractors, I think they're bringing a really good value. Uh, I think people are trying to steer away from the, you know, the engine thing, you know, the engine stuff we have on the tractors now. They want those older tractors, so not put the depth in them. Um, but I have seen some, you know, some fairly late model tractor sale. Um, you know, just like yesterday, they sold, um, three 8295R, 15 models. All of them had anywhere from 1,900 hours to right at 2,000 hours. And they brought 160 to 165. That's just the bare tractor. And they turned around and sold the guidance off of it. Um, it just fairly strong for those hours on those tractors. Um, they also sold some 8370Rs the other day, yesterday. They, one of them had 1,450, one of them had 2,125 hours, one went for 2,075, one for 186,000. Um, the tractors are, you know, what I'm seeing is the, if it's a late model and it's clean and it's equipped right, I mean, you're getting a pretty good price for it. Um, that's pretty much all I, you know, seeing on tractors, I mean, it, it's a nice tractor. You got in an auction down here, it's going to bring top dollar that day. So one thing I've noticed, and I want your opinion on this. So one thing I've noticed when I look at dealer inventories on the Internet and then I go back and compare what I see happen at the auction market, there are a lot of auction results that show up that are the same price as what dealers are asking for similar machines on, on their lot. And... Or if not, it's really close to that. So, give me your reaction to that. Do you do you think that that? I mean, are you seeing stuff like that happen in, in down in your area or in, anywhere else that you might see something like that pop up? You know, as far as you know, a lot of the tractors. You know, I look at my inventory and look at what auction data that I've gathered. Um, you know, what we got it listed for. So what they're selling it for, there's still a little bit of a gap down here. But for the most part, I mean, sometimes the tractors don't have the same hours 
that I have on mine might be a thousand less. Um, but I, I think, you know, just depending on the, the model of tractor that you have sitting on the lot and one that they're selling, they're pretty similar, you know. I think it, you know, a lot of times you can be about the same price. You know, I have, haven't seen it with the auction market that's gotten to where it's a full list product by any means. No, I have not. But I think that gap is getting smaller, you know, just depending on the tractor that they're selling and who is looking for it. And another thing that I'm I see and I, you know, hearing a lot of guys that these auctions talk about is this the new equipment has gotten so high that a lot of these guys instead of buying new are starting to get to look at these clean late, you know, these one year old tractors or two year old tractors with, you know, two thousand hours or less. Because a lot of those tractors, you know, have warranty, still some warranty remaining on. I mean, they're not getting a new tractor, but they're still getting one with some warranty, so they might pay a little more for it instead of, you know, coming to buy a brand new tractor from us. So I think that's what a lot of the shift is down here. Um, you know, those guys are saying, "Hey, I can buy one or two year old with warranty. Yes, we'll have a few hours on it, but I still got warranty to help cover me." Do you think um, the warranty issue is something that I see every every time we talk about something now, whether it's a use piece adding some level of either you know power guard or some other form of of, of warranty to it? Um, how how much of your business now, when you sell used equipment, how much of that business has some level of a power guard or whatever attached to it? Just about. I mean, it gets asked on every deal. Does this tractor have warranty? I mean, if it doesn't have warranty, we can add warranty to it, whether through John Deere or through other outlets. We can look to help that customer to get some warranty if we can get it added to that. Um, I mean, a guy that's going to buy a tractor, you know, and spend a fair amount of money on it, you know, he's going to want that peace of mind that, hey, I know I'm taking care of if that engine, you know, goes out or if that rear end goes out or transmission has problems. You know, you can rack up a twenty-five, thirty, forty thousand dollar bill pretty quick on this new equipment if something like that fails. So that peace of mind, I think that's what, you know, they want and they ask for it just about every new piece we sell. It's got to have its end of warranty either comprehensive or power guard. Or like I said, you know, if it's an older piece and, you know, we'll, you know, price deer and we'll price other outlets and see which way they want to go. Mm -hmm. So something I've been thinking about for a while here, and it's, it's really kind of stemmed from the activity that I see happen at the auction market right now. Do you think there are buyers now that are more interested in buying their machinery online than maybe buying from a, from a dealership? Do you think that that, you're starting to see a trend like that maybe where I know because like we deal with folks now where, where email and text messages are a big part of the selling cycle selling process and it feels like when I watch these auctions especially the, the retirement sales where the you know guys going out and getting rid of all the stuff and it's and it's good stuff and what have you and, and it goes from it goes all over the place that's that's the equipment that I'm seeing that's selling almost for what we are asking for it if not if not slightly below what we're asking for it so do you think that maybe there's a trend headed that way where online buying 
whether it's at the auction or, or whatever other avenue that's, that's out there, do you think that that's going to become a bigger part of the business over the next year or two? I think the online, you know, whether through Tractor House, through Bathline, through Machinery Pete, I think that is going to be going to be a growing trend, definitely growing right now. I mean, you know, the average age of the farmer, I don't know what the average age of the farmer across America is, but I'm sure it's not a young age. You know, a lot of those guys are retiring and turning the family farm over to a younger generation, which it's the generation that, you know, it's kind of funny you ask this. I read an article the other day, and it's talking about people born between, like, 1978 and 1983. They're kind of stuck in between two generations. You know, I was born in that time span where, you know, the first cell phone I got was most likely in college. I didn't have a cell phone in high school. But I was at the age that I could adapt and to that change and learn how to use a cell phone, learn how to use a computer, um, you know, and like the people born after me. But I think, I think it is a growing, I think it's going to change the way people buy equipment because they have so many resources out there um, that they, you know, 30 seconds, you can look at any, probably 280, R's that are for sale across the country. You know, instead of having to get in your pickup truck and drive for a day and a half to go look at one, you know, then you're going to pick one you think you like the most and give that guy a call and say, hey, I'm missing this tractor. I definitely think that is the way everything's going, that, you know, we as dealers are going to have to be, you know, look at our company websites and we're going to have to get better as a whole about taking pictures and putting information about equipment online because you kind of got to create that that feel that that person is actually in person looking at that tractor when or not they're looking at their cell phone, tablet, or computer. You know, like they're actually sitting right there looking at that tractor. You got to create that feel. You know, give them as much information about the tractor, give them as much information about the warranty. You know, what you see with the tractor, maybe even give them a story how you acquired that tractor, what that tractor was doing before. I mean, they're going to want to know all that information and it kind of will spark that interest and get you that phone call and hopefully you can get that sale. Yeah, I mean, I think social media is going to play such a huge role in everything that we do moving forward. I don't, there's a lot of equipment when you look at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all those different places out there, that's for sale. Guys are trying to push stuff through there mm-hmm. as much as they can and it gets a lot of good traction, you know I mean? A lot of guys are doing it that way. So, but yeah, so I, I mean, that's how I see things going. I think the online purchasing, like I made a point the other day that if you were 25 years old, um, your first buying experience was probably online and, and everything that you did, you know, whether you bought something on eBay or whether you bought something off of Amazon or whether you went to a website and purchased whatever, you know, when I was in college, I used to always get, Christmas gifts off uh, wherever online and because I'm the same way you know I was, I'm like you said I'm I was born in 1977 so I'm, I'm in the same boat the only reason I shopped online when I had the chance to do it is because I could order it online didn't have to go anywhere to do it and it came gift wrapped so all I had to do was show up 
with whatever I had, and it was made it so simple. You know? It's a funny thing that is that I got a nine-year-old son, and he's learning that you know the value of a dollar. And we'll go somewhere, and he'll look at it. You know, he'll have a few dollars in his wallet. Then he'll look at me or his mom and say, "Hey, look on Amazon Filmix to see this," because he knows that if he can save a dollar through Amazon and get it shipped for free, why not? Exactly. Yep. <laughs> you might have to wait two days, but you know that tells you that a nine-year-old child recognizes, "Hey, I might can get it cheaper on Amazon." You know an adult knows that. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a crazy thing, and it's it's just a, it's a, it's a thing that's going to change the way people do business. I mean, I, I feel that is the way the world is going is going to be through the internet. I mean, you, you sit down and think about it. Probably a lot of the people that listen to this um, podcast, everybody probably has a Netflix account or a Hulu account. Yeah, they probably. Some people probably stream their TV. Some people still have cable TV or direct TV. Mm -hmm. But it, you can see that the world is changing and the Internet is going to be, you know, fully controlled of what, how people act and, and buy things. Yep. Yeah, and so as dealers, we need to be ready for that. When we need to have our social media presence oh. up, we need to have our websites up, we need to have, you know, figuring out how we're going to use Amazon in our business and all these different things that are out there. So. Yeah, that's not well, good. It, and that's kind of pulls down that the auction market is going to have to go to the internet as well. I mean, I, I think there's a lot of auction companies that utilize proxy bid and other bid services that mm -hmm. that have realized that the value in it, you know, it helps them move a piece or get a few more dollars on the piece. It probably helps pay for that service. So they keep using it, keep using it. And the more people, more auctions they have, and more people, the more equipment they sell on it, the more people will talk about it. Well, look how look how big like Purple Wave and Big Iron and Auction Time and those those kind of avenues have have taken. You know, you sit there and you watch it, you yeah. click, you go, you know, come back and check on it. You know, it's it's a it's for all intents and purposes, it's, it is a live auction. You're just bidding against an imaginary person out there. Well, they're not imaginary, but just some some random handle out there that you're that you're bidding against. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely going to be a a stronger part of it and. The, I don't even really pay attention to auction companies unless they have online bidding, because I don't think they're going to get you top dollar for your for your machine. That, that I mean that could be. I, I definitely feel the same way, but there's sometimes they will get you top dollar. Just, you got to be standing there if they don't to watch it and see how it does. Right. That's well, the only thing about an auction company does not bid. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Okay, so let's talk about the cold weather that that uh, you've experienced in in the deep south here so i'm sure a lot of people aren't going to feel too overwhelmingly sorry for you when you start talking about how cold it's been in mississippi but um let's let's talk about the cold weather and what it's done down there and if if you're going to see any kind of issues going into planting season because of that well you know like you said that people are probably going to laugh and say ah it got cold in the south well yeah, it gets it gets cold down here. Um, you know, we had some few days where you know, kids went to school because mainly the roads got icy. Um, I don't foresee us having any problems with planting down here. Um, I mean, today it's about fifty something degrees, but the wind is cold. It's bright, sunshiny, um, and we're February second. 
you know, I don't perceive them, you know, it just depends on what kind of rain we get and how, how wet our fields are. But, you know, end of February, there's certain areas in our state, they're going to be ready to punch the corn. And if they ain't planning to see the corn by, you know, 10th of March, they're going to really start getting antsy. Right. Um, but, you know, there's certain parts of our state that, you know, they're going to plant in the middle of March. That's what they're going to do. But we got some areas that are going to try to plant corn. They plant corn on uh, Valentine's Day, if I could. Right on. But I don't foresee it as of right now. It's just going to depend on how much rain we get um, between here, you know, for this month and the next few weeks. But, I mean, if you give, give us some sunshine and 50, 60-degree weather with a, a wind, a lot of our ground will dry out pretty quick. Um you know, it, and they'll be ready to plant corn. I don't think it's going to hurt us as bad. Um, you know, we ain't going to have six or eight foot or, you know, what everybody else might have across the country. But I think it's going to, it might slow them down, but I don't think it's going to hurt them. So what is your moisture situation there comparatively? I mean, I hear there's droughts, talking about drought all over the place and all through the Corn Belt and, you know, even into the, the southern part of the Corn Belt. So down where you're at right now, and in the area that you cover, how how is moisture and and what does that look like as far as rolling? Like you're gonna have good moisture to plant into if nothing changed. Well, I mean, we right now we got plenty of moisture. I mean, it's you know a lot of our fields, you know, in our main part of our LR are, are they're set up for you know flood irrigation, so a lot of that water is gonna drain off. Um, you know. You drive by some of the fields today, they might have water sitting in it, but you drive back by two days, they'll be dry as a bone. We just never know. It all depends on that sunshine and that wind and what, how it drives out and what type of soil it is. Right. You know, if it's a sandy soil that we have, it'll dry a whole lot faster than some of this buckshot we have down here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't foresee it really slowing us down too much right now. But we've got plenty of moisture. And, you know, you never say you got plenty, you always can take more. But it gets to the point down here that, you know, hey, you know, we don't need a lot of rain, but we always like to get every rain we can. Because I have seen it to where we get a rain on July 3rd and not have one for four months. Right. And it, and it gets bone dry down here. Yeah. It doesn't take long for it to dry out regardless of where you're at. So... No. Let's talk about let's talk about uh, planters now. So we're not that far away from you know starting to look at buying or selling some new planters. Talking to guys about that stuff, I'm sure it's it's already been a big point of conversation for you. What is your what are you looking at as far as new planters go, and how are your used planters setting right now? Well, as a company, we're sitting. We sold quite a few new planters. Now, I think I've said this before in the podcast. When you talk to me about planters, we are three-point planters. We're, we run very little full tight as far as planters. Now, we will run some 1990s. And we got a few stores that will run some 1790s. But, you know, we don't run the big the big 24-row planters down here. We run 12-row 38, 12-row 30, 16-row 30s. And all of them are three-point hit planters. Um, we've sold quite a few planters. We've had a lot of action, you know, looking for used planters down here. And, you know, I can't, I can't remember how many new planters we sold this year, but we probably just got about every trade sold that we've acquired, you know, through a new sale. 
If not, if we ain't got it sold, we got some people looking at it. Yeah, that's that's a story I've been hearing everywhere. The the used ones coming in are pretty much gone. You know, and I think a lot of it's boiling back to, you know, our planter sales kind of run on cycles. Where we'll sell a bunch one year, then the next year we'll kind of tick off, and then the next year we kind of won't sell hardly any. But then that it will kind of ramp up, and you know, about every three or four years it seems like we have a good year on selling new planters. I think we're sitting good right now on planters um, as a company. Um, you know, better than we have been in the past. Yeah. I will say that. The number of acres right now that you have that are in cotton, is that up dramatically from last year? Maybe where they've maybe taken corn out or beans out or something like that and went back to cotton with that strength that you see there in the price? Well, <clears throat> I will say this. My telephone has rang a bunch for Use cotton pickers. I've even got calls on use cotton strippers, which we do not sell cotton strippers down here. Um, we sell the, you know, 7760 cotton pickers, the CP690. Um, we sold our allotment that we could sell. And a lot of those trades that we have taken in for those ones that we sold new have been sold. I think we've maybe got a few left. But, it, you know, kind of like last year, you know, cotton pickers are really, really hot. And they're, you know, people are still looking for those pickers, you know, right now with the, you know, price of cotton. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it will be something, you know, that will continue for, you know, until um, right before they start planting. And then they're going to wait and see what they get planted and that crop comes up and decide if they need another picker, if they, you know, what they're going to do. And a lot of it's going to depend on Casey is, is how many acres, you know, if they're going to plant some corn and some beans, if they can get those planted. And if they can't get those planted, they'll go in and plant cotton. Right. So it's kind of dependent on the weather of, you know, if you got some guys that's going to plant cotton, it doesn't matter what the price is, they're going to plant cotton. You know, they just, they like to grow cotton. Yeah. What are some trends that you're paying attention to now that you weren't maybe even interested in last year? I can't really say that. I guess I, I, I pay attention to it all. <laughs> um, I try to, what I think is important. I mean, I hadn't, I guess you'd say, compared to the last year, some things I've done different already this year. I've been to more auctions than probably I went to last year. Yeah. Kind of really trying to nail down, you know, more so what stuff bringing an auction. So, you know, we'd have a little better idea of how to trade for stuff. Um, I've been to a whole lot more auctions. I know that. <clears throat> Just, you know, a lot of my concentration is making sure we don't have any age inventory. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to stay on top of that. we got a few pieces that are aged, but I think everybody does. Yeah, you always um, have some. We can't not have any. That's impossible. That's definitely impossible. Unless you have a time machine, I guess. You can go forward in time and see what the market's going to do. I might, you could do it, I guess. Yeah, if you could do that, Casey, me and you could be sitting on the beach somewhere together yeah. all the time. Call it right every time. What it's going to be. Yeah. Yep, call it right every time. <laughs> it's the perfect world. That's right. Um, this mainly just, you know, Talking to salesmen, you know, seeing what they're thinking, see if they're looking for anything. Yeah. Um. You know, 
checking here, checking there, and see if we can buy some equipment that we might need. Or, hey, you know, we might, a guy might want that, or, you know, trying to, as we always try to do, is get people to upgrade stuff, and, you know, look for, you know, some older pieces that are really selling well right now. That way, you, you know, you can hopefully trade them up to a newer piece and you can get a piece that you can roll real quick and, and wash a, a piece out. Yeah. And that's something we try to do. That's some stuff that we're doing too. Like auctions, I've paid a lot more attention to auctions. Not that I didn't pay close attention to them, but I've, I've watched them more this year just because of what I've seen happen in values. Um, I'm not saying that we have hit the absolute bottom yet, but if, I, we, if, if we haven't hit it, we are darn close and maybe we're bouncing across the bottom right now. So I've um, been paying attention to that quite a bit and I've been watching, like you said earlier, trying to find some some deals out there that maybe you can you can bring back in and make a, make a quick buck on. I think there's plenty of those out there to be bought, but you got to find them. They're harder to find than, than they have been in the past. Yeah, I mean, you know, you just kind of, that old saying, you got to kind of think outside the box. Um, you know, kind of got to do that. But <clears throat> just trying to, you know, manage our user equipment and minimize the risk and minimize our loss. <laughs> yeah. For what we do lose on. <laughs> yeah, that's the, uh, that's the key there. Sometimes you have to mitigate as much uh as much margin as you do loss so it's uh it's it's a tough one but yeah so yep just uh i think this year is going to be a repeat of last year i think there's going to be a lot of similar situations on farm income is going to be basically the same as it was last year so i don't really foresee there being much change in the overall marketplace so um yeah i think we're i think we're like i said bouncing across the bottom maybe not quite there yet but we're we're darn close and i think you know 18 19 are going to be years that we're going to look back on and there's going to be some significant upward trends in values and um or more stabilization you know what i mean yeah i i agree totally with you. i mean i think there's certain segments we probably have hit the bottom and starting to come up a little bit yeah um, you know, but I think as a whole, the whole equipment market is, you know, it's slightly trending upward. Right. Um, and it, it is a, a good good time for me because when I first took this job, it was it was on its way down fast, and it was falling as fast, you know, as it could go. Right. I mean, it was, and you know, it, it's kind of. You know, you, you and I both kind of said we're kind of watching the auction market. Are we all watching the auction market because we're kind of optimistic that we're seeing a little better numbers and maybe we just want to watch it? Or are we watching it just praying that it don't fall the next day? <laughs> For me, it's a little so, bit of both. I watch it with the with the anticipation <laughs> that there's going to be something nasty happen and we're going to be having to do some recovery. But every time I think that's going to happen, it, it, it absolutely goes the other way in 180 degrees different from what I think it's going to do. So that's why I think there's some stable. That's why I think the stabilization thing is here. You know, we don't have the wide swings in the market values anymore. Remember how it used to be like you, you'd go back and you'd watch these auctions and there'd be this twenty, thirty thousand $30,000 swing. And then the next day there'd be 
another twenty or thirty thousand dollars swing the other way, and it was just complete volatility. I mean, it was just mayhem, right? And and then now we don't see that. I mean, you can go in and pretty much guess what a machine's going to sell for. Um, within yeah, you know, within reason. Really close. Yeah, you can call it pretty close. So that tells me that that volatility thing's pretty much gone, and you know, it, it's a plus. I'm I'm happy, and I'm excited that that we have some narrowing of of the gap you know what i mean things are coming back to the way they should be mm-hmm. okay well you know every time i think i kind of think of that uh the last remarking managers meeting we had kind of think of that first guy that said that night you know earlier you know in the 12, 13, somewhere in there, with you know, starting at you know, 10, 11, somewhere in there, was kind of that high, high, high swing. Right. And then we hit the bottom, and I kind of think of, you know, if you go back and think about what he said, you know, the next 30 years, you're going to see this high again, but it's going to fall just like it is. And you kind of think about that. That's yeah. what I kind of think about. Yeah. So I'll be 70. Yeah, I'll be 70 years old when the next great agricultural boom happens. So. <laughs> Um, I hope I'm retired by that time. So I'll I'll start. I will have started in a good time and hopefully end in a good time. So there we go. All right, man. Well, I think we've covered it here, bud. You anything last words you want to say before we shut her down? No, I don't have anything last words. Hey, let's keep it going. Yeah. If you need something, give me a call. Yep. Give old Matt a call down at Wade Inc. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Moving Iron Podcast. I'd like to thank Matt for being a guest in this episode. Remember, if you want to continue any of these conversations, you can hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Moving Iron LLC, or you can find me on LinkedIn. You can also send an email at Moving Iron Podcast at movingironpodcast.com. Moving Iron LLC has a website you can visit, movingironllc.com. Here you can find information for the 2018 Moving Iron Summit in Las Vegas, past and current episodes of the Moving Iron Podcast, and articles from the Moving Iron blog. Throughout the year, there'll be guest bloggers writing on various topics from their point of view. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can leave a review and subscribe at your favorite podcasting platform. And if you shop Amazon, please use the Amazon click-through at movingironllc.com. It won't cost you anything, and you'll still have the same experience you're accustomed to while supporting the podcast. You can find the podcast at iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and SoundCloud. So until next time, let's go move some iron. This is Casey Seymour, out.